Hi, I'm your host, Brittany Spence, and this is In the Face of Illness. We are a podcast committed to cultivating a greater understanding of the many resources available for families facing childhood illness, because we believe this is a vital topic of conversation, not only for families in the throes of the fight, but for everyone. Ultimately, we are here to offer hope in the face of illness. Erin Butterick lives in Memphis, Tennessee with her husband, Ryan, and three boys, Jack, who's 10, Bennett, who's 8, and Charlie, who's 5. In 2009, at the end of her first pregnancy, it was discovered that their daughter had congenital hydrocephalus. That was just the beginning of their journey with their precious daughter, Lily. The care they received during their time at Le Bonheur eventually led them to involvement with the Forrest Spence Fund. Lily passed away in 2013, and once again, the Forrest Spence Fund became a lifeline for their family. That relationship continues to be a source of comfort and healing for their family almost 10 years later. We are honored that Erin is joining us today and going to tell us a little bit more about their journey and their family. Um, And so we're glad you're here. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks for being with us. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so let's start just with talking about um, Precious Lily. So uh, in the intro, we talked a little bit just about her diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So um, tell me about that. Before that, before the diagnosis in the womb, had you had a fine pregnancy, Mm -hmm. no concerns? Yes, it was. Everything was going along well. It was my first pregnancy. And at 32 weeks, we went um, to my OBGYN for our, what was supposed to be our 3D ultrasound, might even be 40 now. I don't know what it is, but went for that ultrasound, um, not expecting anything out of the ordinary. And um, they, during that ultrasound, they discovered she her measurements were off. There was a kind of a discrepancy between her head measurement and her body measurement. And um, so immediately they were concerned and sent us from there to um, a high risk doctor. I think we were there on a Friday. And then by Monday, we had like an 8 a.m. appointment with a high risk doctor. And they did a way more in-depth ultrasound and discovered it it was congenital hydrocephalus. That's what they confirmed through that ultrasound. And so that was extra fluid on the brain. And that's kind of why the measurements were off. Um, So at that point, that was all we knew. They continued to watch me from 32 to 37 weeks um, with twice weekly ultrasounds. And they were just kind of trying to make sure she remained stable and that keep her kind of in as long as they could. And then at 37 weeks, I had a C-section and they... um, like I said, we knew about the hydrocephalus. Then it was discovered that she had um, esophageal atresia and T. fistula. So there's her esophagus wasn't connected. Therefore, she wasn't getting like the nutrition. And that's why she was so little. Um, and how did y'all, um, when she was born, how did they figure out that she had the two other issues that they were unaware of in the womb? Um, and at Methodist Germantown, they started kind of, I think, you know, looking deeper. She was four pounds. Okay. So, um, like I said, they were prepared for the hydrocephalus. But with hydrocephalus, oftentimes there's a lot of other issues. So okay. I think they were on high alert. Something else was going to be going on with her. Okay. And so um, I think through um, several tests, I probably can't tell you exactly what they were doing, but I know they probably like did a tube, I think, down her throat. And that's okay. where they were realizing, oh, she's not able to like swallow and get this nutrition okay. down, you know, like she needed to. So in the womb with the hydrocephalus, was there a plan? Was there when you were meeting with the high risk and thinking about the future, was there a when she's born, 
we're going to immediately have to do a shunt? Mm -hmm. Are we immediately going to have to do something? Was there already, she's going to have to have some Mm -hmm. kind of medical intervention? There was, um, thankfully. I think, um, you know, the first thing I probably did was Google congenital hydrocephalus, and that was horrific. I should have never done that. Um, But luckily, there was a plan that was set into place because there was so much unknown with that. Mm -hmm. You know, congenital hydrocephalus is a huge realm of minor issues mm-hmm. to really, really significant issues. And explain that maybe a little bit more of layman's terms. Like, what does that kind of mean? Um, a lot of times, you know, it may be, there maybe are no issues. Like, it, I don't even know if you have to have a shunt every time you see congenital hydrocephalus. Okay. Um, but like for, for Lily, her issues were, um, she had a lot of overall low muscle tone. Okay. And but that in the brain, speech. the hydrocephalus means more of there's extra fluid around mm-hmm. the brain that is not draining really the way or where it's supposed to. Correct. Correct. Okay. And so they put that shunt in so that they can drain that fluid and that it goes through the body and it's eliminated like you and I, like everybody else. Okay. And in the womb, were they noticing that there was kind of enough that they thought we're probably going to have to mm-hmm. do some kind of medical intervention? Mm-hmm but could work out on its own, like give her a little bit of time or this is pretty immediate? They, I think they thought that it was going to be pretty immediate. Okay. Um, I do know that they had they had neurosurgery on board. They had, dis- mm-hmm. they had discussed with them, you know, what was going on and okay. that more than likely she would be delivered, would probably need a shunt okay. and that... And that was kind of as far as the plan was. So okay. we, you know, they we're never, aware of the other things right. going on. And they okay. never said, you know, your baby will be going to Labonner, but I'm sure they all knew that's what was going to happen. Okay. Like that was never brought up to us. But. Okay. Okay. Because I feel like a lot of times now when there is something in the womb going on, if they think the baby will go to mm-hmm. Labonner, they'll often mm-hmm. even have you, the parents, mm-hmm. go and tour mm-hmm. and see the NICU and what that's like. So mm-hmm. I do wonder in that if they thought it may not be mm-hmm. that she even needs that or, like you said, if they're just kind of ready. Mm-hmm. So she's born. She's got the hydrocephalus. She And then tell me the other two things. Esophageal atresia and T.E. fistula. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so those were not connecting. Mm-hmm. And so what was that really affecting her? So nutrition. So okay. she... the um. I feel like maybe the third day of her birth, she had surgery to connect the esophagus. Okay. Dr. Langham did that at Labonner, and um, that was so. How quickly did she go from Germantown to Labonner? Same day. So okay. she was born at four thirty on a Monday, and she was at Labonner. I think at ten o'clock that night. Wow. So mm-hmm. so did right when she was born, did some tests at Germantown to figure out what else yes. was going on. Yes. Was able to figure that out, mm-hmm. and then said, "Let's get her transported to Labonner." Yes. Okay. Exactly. Okay. So she goes on to Labonner. You're still at Germantown. Mm-hmm. How long did you end up having to stay? I was there till Thursday. Okay. So I was she there was three born... nights. She was born on Monday. Okay. So uh-huh. I got to see her. I, I left. I was discharged from Methodist Germantown and went straight to Lebonner and okay. was there, you know, at two or three of that afternoon to see her. Okay. Before or Before, after her So she had the surgery when I was still at Lebonner. Like, I distinctly remember Dr. Langham calling me at Lebonner. When you were still at Germantown? Yeah, at Germantown. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm sorry to tell me what the surgery was going to, you know, entail and when they were doing it. And um, was just, that was a wonderful comfort to, mm-hmm. you know, that he reached out because he, of course, was dealing with Ryan, but to reach out to me. Yeah. So Ryan went with Lily. Yes. And was at Labonner. Mm-hmm. You were still at Germantown, mm-hmm. which I know is so hard, mm-hmm. recovering from your C-section. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so Ryan was obviously feeling you, filling you in as well. Yes. And at that point, had they done anything with the hydrocephalus? No, the hydrocephalus, that surgery for that shunt, I believe, was maybe when she was about 
two to three weeks old. Okay. And so first, obviously, had to connect because yes. she wasn't getting any dr- mm-hmm. nutrition. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that was like three days mm-hmm. success. Success, yes. Okay. Um, but they also did a G tube. Okay. Um, as well, because they wanted to make sure that she was going to be able to successfully get, you know, all the nutrition that she needed. Okay. Um, so at the same time, did both. Yes. Okay. So, um, but yes, it was all how to do G two mm-hmm. feedings. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then how long in that first hospital stay did mm-hmm. she end up staying? She was five weeks. Okay. And three days. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so that was fixing her. If, how do you say it? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. Along the way, were y'all noticing that, um, you know, she was building up more fluid? What kind of made him say, we've got to do the shot? Um, I guess I don't think anything was getting worse with the hydrocephalus, but I think it it was, again, that was the plan was like, let's get this first surgery done. That was the most dire thing, I think. And then we know that shunt's coming and this is when we'll do it. So two or three weeks to do the shunt. Does mm-hmm. fine mm-hmm. with all that. Mm-hmm. And then what made it be that five plus weeks? Um, I think they always call them the feeders and growers in yeah. the NICU. I think that she they wanted to make sure that she was going to be gaining weight consistently, okay. tolerating her feeds by mouth because she was eating by mouth, Okay, but also through her G-tube. Okay. So mm-hmm. y'all would offer her a bottle every time, mm-hmm. see how much she would take, mm-hmm. and then whatever she wouldn't take, go through Supplement the G-tube. G-tube yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so she obviously started showing... A lot of great positive mm-hmm. things because they let y'all go home. Yes. I mean, because four pounds is... Oh, she was tiny. I know. Tiny. I mean, I think we took her home at probably five pounds, four ounces. So she was still tiny. Wow. But they, wow. you know... And did you have any idea when they were doing all of these ultrasounds, did they start to kind of say, like, we think she's going to be little? Like, this is showing... Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yes. So you were able to kind of be, like, prepared... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe getting some preemie clothes mm-hmm. or tiny diapers or that yes. kind of stuff. Yes. Okay. I felt, yeah, I felt like they did prepare us a little bit for that was that she was little and that she probably would gain slow. You okay. know, it wasn't going to be she gets home and then turns into this big chunk. I mean, yeah. it was going to take a little while and okay. effort. Okay. So y'all come home and you've now got a G-tube mm-hmm. that's obviously brand new. Mm-hmm. And then you've also got to also really pay attention to the shot. Yes. I mean, we've talked about that before on yes. here that... You know, that just takes into a whole different account that if you, um, you know, if she shows any signs Mm -hmm. of throwing up or fever or any of those things, it's it's different in the way of, you know, children that don't have a shot. You may wait and see, is the throat going to get better or we just have a bug or is the fever going to go down? With the child with the shot, you have to immediately think, you have to immediately take into account it could be something's wrong with the shot. Absolutely. Okay. Mm -hmm. So just really kind of in some ways being on guard to that. Yes. While still trying to provide a very normal. Right. Exactly. I mean, this was our first baby, so our world was rocked. Yeah. Um, And I have somewhat of a medical background, you know, being a speech pathologist. I knew exactly what esophageal atresia was. I knew that. I know how to work with G-tubes. But it's a different ballgame when it's your child. Yeah. And yeah. you come home with this little tiny baby, and we have all the support in the world, you know, with our family and things like yeah. that. But at the same time, it was just extremely eye opening, and it was it was a it was a hard time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I can only imagine. And sleep deprivation, yes. all the normal stuff that yes. goes yes. with bringing home you know. a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so y'all are home. Mm-hmm. Is she doing exactly what they thought? Kind of gaining weight, but slowly. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. She really did. She did did very very well. Okay. When she was home. Okay. Mm-hmm. And feeding. Mm-hmm. Did she ever get to where she could take all her feeds by mouth or did she always need that G2? No, she did great. Like that was kind of our um, number one goal. Like when we knew she was stable and like her shunt was working beautifully and everything was good with that, 
then the goal was to, you know, get rid of the G-tube as long as she was gaining weight appropriately. And she was. Um, So I feel like it was maybe when she was eight months old, we were able to take it out um, because she was able to eat by mouth and sustain her calories and all that kind of stuff. So we, they got rid of it at eight months, I think. And um, because even at that point, you started to notice she's doing okay with food. Like at that point, she's starting to do baby foods. Absolutely. And And I feel like she had had a swallow study, you know, and so they're making sure she was safe with that. And she did great. She just was tiny. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we just, you know, she just didn't eat large amounts at any given time, but she was doing great. And did y'all during that time, especially with your background, Mm -hmm. um, did you say we really need to make sure that she's also getting any extra support that she may need? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. So what kind of therapies did she receive and was that at home? Was that y'all going somewhere? Was that a mixture of both? She um, immediately, again, with my background, I knew that she could start early intervention services mm-hmm. w- when we left Labonner. So I believe all that was in place as well, too. Um, and she started receiving speech therapy, occupational therapy, and physical therapy. Maybe the occupational therapy might have been a little bit later. But okay. PT and um, speech, I think, started pretty quickly. And they would come to the house. It was okay. Uh, Labonna Early Intervention and Development. That was yeah. where I had worked. And so they came and um, were wonderful. I think it would be weekly they would come for her. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, over the course of her, again, she was three and a half when she passed. But over the course of her life, she had continued to have all those therapies mm-hmm. weekly. And mm-hmm. she had gotten some feeding therapy. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, she kind of, she dabbled in all the all the areas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And did you... Um, you know, see with those things too. Like those were really, and and I want to say too, you know, even without the shunt or any of the other things that she came home with, a lot of times the the NICU really wants those things to be put in place because even just five weeks spent in a NICU, yes. you know, it's five weeks of not being home to do. And and the NICUs that we know of do a beautiful job of if they can, mm-hmm. you know, having them do a little tummy time or having them try to sit up or do the things that they're, you know, quote unquote, supposed to be doing. But obviously it's harder when mm-hmm. they're attached to numerous right. things and they're, you know, so a lot of times even just the premature babies who maybe don't have a shunt or, you know, have had a major surgery like she did, they still encourage that, yes. um, you know, to get started in that. And mm-hmm. we really are saying, say yes. yes, like say yes, even if at the end you quote unquote graduate from mm-hmm. it quickly, mm-hmm. you're going to more kick yourself if you don't say yes, yes. absolutely. If you think, oh, I think he or she's doing great. Look at her. Mm-hmm. To me, they're doing all these milestones. But if you've got all these things in place, mm-hmm. then let the professionals who absolutely. know be able to say, you know, I really do think, mm-hmm. you know, we can. And, and even one of our old program directors said, you know, her son um, really graduated from one program, but stayed in a different mm-hmm. therapy for a long time mm-hmm. and eventually was able to graduate from them all. But I think a huge part of why he did so well is because of, mm-hmm. of the early intervention. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, you can you can almost be a little bit ahead of the game, too, which is huge. You yeah. know, like you said, help, having the professionals helping you, you know, they are really um, able to provide you with the next steps mm-hmm. of what to be looking for, you yeah. know, for the kids. And yeah. again, if you don't have that and you're a first time mom, I mean, yeah. you, a lot. You know, a lot of people don't know those kinds of things, milestones that are heading their way. And so especially with a child that, you know, is going to maybe have some special needs, you kind of want to be you just want you want your eyes open to what to maybe expect. And yes, you're right. Say yes. Say yes to all of it. And just even having these people in your corner Mm -hmm. who are also Mm -hmm. cheering her on, absolutely excited for the milestones Mm -hmm. that you don't feel like you're trying to do all this alone, you know, that. And again, I mean, we talk about lots of realms like it's not just a. 
you know, you can't expect the therapist to help alone do all those milestones. But when you're involved in the therapy with your child, you then learn what to do at home Mm -hmm. that's so good for Mm -hmm. them. And Mm -hmm. I know even things that the hospital staff did for Forrest in the hospital, I then even used for my Mm -hmm. healthy children then on. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think about that frog uh-huh. that has like weighted or the, the weighted uh-huh. frog that we used on forest. Yes. Um, I ended up using that on each mm-hmm. kid because I thought that weight, you know, how much babies like the feel yes. of that weight. And so, you know, it's something that you can use in yes, all aspects. I think so. Um, okay. So eight months, G-tubes removed. Mm-hmm. She's mm-hmm. really making strides. Mm-hmm. So kind of lead us through those next couple years of just, um, did she have to have any shunt revisions? She did. She had two shunt revisions um, over the course of her life. She had one, I believe, at six months old. Okay. Um, and, and was that a something y'all saw? Mm-hmm. It okay. was kind of what you described. I mean, again, we were always on high alert. Yeah. I feel like she would go to the neurologist probably every six months and get uh-huh. things checked out. Okay. But again, at six months, um, I remember distinctly, I believe it was that she threw up, I think was what it was, which okay. was kind of odd for, you know, uh-huh. a six-month-old baby. Uh-huh. Like it was kind of out of, wasn't didn't have anything to do with feeding. Like there wasn't any reason that we would have thought it was something with feeding there's something about and I feel like maybe fever I feel like that might have been one of the other symptoms that she had Um, and of course you know we immediately took her I believe to the pediatrician first and they said yes let's let's go ahead and take her to Lawner just to kind of we feel like that's probably what's going on yeah um and so we did that, and it was um, just a mild, a mild shunt revision. And they did. Okay. I don't think that nobody was super freaked out about anything, but it was kind of like timing is perfect. We're doing this revision, okay. and, and she it was be- you know it was great. She okay. had it. Was out of the hospital the next day. Okay, okay, no big deal. So it's six months, and then one more. And I think similar, one more, mm-hmm, similar okay. type of thing. And I feel like that was maybe when she was two and a half. Okay, that sounds right. And it was the same kind of thing, just some mild symptoms yep. that kind of clued us, clued okay. us into something might be going on. Yeah. And we've heard from parents who have said, you know, they've, including my old program director, that they've gone to the ER mm-hmm. with their child um, or they've gone to the hospital or pediatrician or whatever with their child throwing up or fever mm-hmm. or whatever else. And it is literally a run-of-the-mill sickness. Mm-hmm. And they were sent home, but they how much you still have to do that just to rule that out yeah. with a child with a shunt. Um, okay, so um, she's just moving along. She's doing, she's did really well. I mean, she, like I said, continued with her therapies mm-hmm. the course of her life, um, but she was making great progress across the board. Um, now, she, like, as I said, her kind of muscle tone was kind of one of her biggest um, issues. And mm-hmm. so strength yeah. was something we were always working on through physical therapy. She did have a walker mm-hmm. to kind of help her. And she was doing great with that. Um, and she was eating independently. Um, and um, orally speech was hard for her. Okay. She could understand everything. I mean, her cognition was great, amazing. Uh-huh. Um, but speech was hard. Um, again, I believe with the weakness of her, the muscles in her mouth and okay. things like that because of the overall muscle tone. And I th- do think that was as a result of the hydrocephalus caused okay. that low, low muscle tone. Okay. So she... The hydrocephalus that was in the womb. Yes. Thought, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, and then she also, I mean, she... She also had a Chiari malformation, which I hate to be fast forwarding, but we found that out like when she was maybe three and a half was kind of, that was kind of the last diagnosis that we found out with her. And what that was, was there was some crowding at the base of her brain. Mm-hmm. Um, they needed to create some more space okay. because we do believe that also was causing some of the motor delays was okay. the pressure that was being 
um, placed like on her skull because of the rain. Okay. Um, so they were wanting to create a little bit of space. And that was what the surgery was going to be for that to hopefully improve some of the motor, motor delays that she had. Okay. So y'all, y'all figured that out at mm-hmm. three and a half. Mm-hmm. You make plans for the surgery. Mm-hmm. Okay. And mm-hmm. then lead me through that. So we made plans for the surgery. We knew it would be a big surgery um, and that she would have to recover in the um, hospital for a while, a while being, I mean, I think a few, I mean, several days. I don't okay. think it was going to be weeks, but I think it was going to be several days. Okay. Um, and by this point, you've had another child. Yes. Jack okay. was 11 months old. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so we met with neurosurgery, um, orthopedic, I think. We met with, like, everybody was on board. They knew everything that was going to go on with it. And um, so she had that surgery the end of March in um, 2013. And um, surgery went well. It was a long surgery, um, but she did well. Mm-hmm. And it, I think every happened, everything happened just like they would have liked it to. And um, they felt like it was his success. And so the recovery part for her was just going to be rest, you know, really keeping her stable and rest, letting her body rest. Um, and then so we were in the hospital. That happened, I think, I believe that was on a Monday that she had that surgery. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, she was doing really well. And then um, Wednesday night, I believe she had a shunt malfunction in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And um, nobody saw that one coming because everything had been very stable. Everything was good. And then um, so they took care of the the shunt malfunction. But the damage, I think, that had been done from that that one was just too much. And she just couldn't recover, couldn't recover from that. And so it obviously was also quick. Yes. Very quick. Very quick. The the damage that had been done of the shunt malfunctioning mm-hmm. had just caused so quickly mm-hmm. the damage to her brain. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And y'all were there mm-hmm. through the whole thing, kind of seeing it all. Yes. Um, and at Le Bonner, and then, um, and then obviously the doctors were saying like, we don't know. Mm-hmm. At first, it was yes, they were they were pretty guarded about what they would say, um, but. You know, there was there was not as much hope and optimism in the conversations with them as there were earlier in the week, you know, after everything had happened. And could you tell a big difference even? So if surgery was on Monday, mm-hmm. obviously, obviously she's still waking up from surgery. But had you seen some, um, you know, movement and eye tracking mm-hmm. and things? Mm-hmm. And then after the shunt malfunction, was there less of that? Yes. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. So you could see with your own eyes. Yes, I could. That I just, could. it wasn't the lily before. Right. Okay. Okay. Unfortunately, yes. Mm-hmm. And so that was really about 48 hours after surgery, 48, mm-hmm. 60, somewhere mm-hmm. around in there. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then you and Ryan were faced with some really hard decisions. Yes. Okay. Yes. That was just, you know, heartbreaking, shocking. We were so caught off guard. It was like the the range of emotions that we had been through that week. You know, mm-hmm. we were so, we had never even thought about recovery. We were focused on getting through that surgery. Yeah. And so getting through that surgery was like, oh, just a huge weight. Yeah. But then on to the next. I mean, we, we didn't give us give ourselves a lot of time to get excited because it was kind of like, okay, well, now we've got to get her recovered through this. And we knew that was going to be a time, you know, a time, a long time that that might take, mm-hmm. um, but never thought a problem like a shunt, would, shunt malfunction would come our way because we had those and we got through those. Mm-hmm. So this was something that was just like, what, you know, how yeah. is this, how is this happening? Um so it was it was devastating. Yeah. So Wednesday night, mm-hmm. Thursday mm-hmm. is when y'all kind of sat down with the doctors and discussed. Thursday is when we kind of knew this was she wasn't going to come out of this. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of I think at that point they had told us, you know, you're probably going to have 
um, this will probably be her last, you know, last night. Um, so this is, you know, you need to just kind of soak this up. We're here for you. And I mean, that was, again, it's sometimes it's hard for me to remember that. I feel yeah, like absolutely. things are foggy yeah. and probably on purpose. Uh-huh, you know, my memory is uh-huh. selective about some of those points. But yes, it was, I think, Thursday. I think we, because we knew, we, going to bed Thursday night, I remember knowing that that was probably our last night mm-hmm. with her. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. at Le Bonheur. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, we were in the, I, believe, I guess it was the back then neuro- it was the neuro- ICU. Yeah, the neuro- yeah. ICU. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Um, so Friday mm-hmm. was her last day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was Good Friday, which was just crazy. I know. <sighs> um, Good Friday, April the 20th, I mean, March the 29th. Okay. And, um, yeah, we woke up, you know, that day. I mean, I don't, I feel like we barely slept that night, of course, but I think we just took turns kind of holding her and being with her. Um, and then the next morning, I remember, I think our priest came, um, and saw her in that morning and, um, we were just with her and, and, um, one of the nurses to, one of our neurosurgeons was lovely and she was kind of with us the whole, the whole, that whole morning kind of preparing us mm-hmm. of what was going to happen. Like this is, you know, you're going to be, you can hold her, you can do this and that. And so that was um, helpful. Just one of those things that you're like, I can't believe I'm doing that. You yeah. just, you all of a sudden become on autopilot. You're yeah. kind of like, I felt like I was outside of myself at yeah. that point. Yeah. Looking down. Yes. Yeah. Like that this is happening. Um, and then she, so we were able to be with her and, um, I was holding her and our, you know, our family was able to come and be with her and see her. And then I would say it was probably around noon on that Friday. It was, it was time and we held her and mm. that's, I mean, that's, it sounds so crazy to say, but it's like, that's the best gift I could have yeah. asked for mm-hmm. is to hold her, you know? Yeah, be for with sure. Her. For sure. So um, I've said before mm-hmm. that it's not supposed to be this way, that we are the first that Caesar holds yes, them yes. and that we are also the last. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's not the way, quote unquote, things should go. But it's also beautiful oh, in is. that way that she only know, mm-hmm. knew just this deep, amazing love mm-hmm. from her mom and dad. And um, and so, though, I know you would have never, ever, ever, ever wanted or dreamed this, but also a beautiful thing that, oh, that yeah. you could be the last I mean, thing. I, I do think that it was it was crazy that that quickly um, I was able to to be thankful in that moment because I told myself I'm like you know there's a lot of people that don't they don't you know they they find out their children have passed mm-hmm. under terrible circumstances that they're and they're nowhere near their children mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. again no matter what age type of thing so the fact that I was with her holding her mm-hmm. I just there was something about it. I'm like oh my gosh like how lucky am I that I yeah. was there with her yeah. And that she, you know, knew she, all she could feel was love, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. during that time. Yeah. So I'm very beautiful. thankful for that. So Good Friday mm-hmm. passes. Obviously, I've talked about it before. Mm-hmm. Leaving a hospital with mm-hmm. no child is horrendous. Yes. Going home, all of her stuff. Yeah. Obviously, she's lived three and a half years right. with y'all. And, right. And your whole life really had been. I mean, obviously, you now have Jack, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. But so much, especially of those first two and a half years, mm-hmm. had revolved so much around Lily, especially with how much therapy and things that Absolutely. she needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, here's your life with no longer having Lily. Right, right. Um, and so kind of tell me a little bit about that. Did y'all... You know, realized, you know, just leaving where y'all mm-hmm. like, okay, we need to seek out help. We mm-hmm. need to do something or was it we just got to go home and kind of 
grab Jack and hold him and reconvene. Kind of tell me about that. Okay. Um, yes, that was, I feel like that was exactly my first thought was I've got to go home and hold Jack. Like I have to be with him, mm-hmm. you know, um, and thank goodness for him because he was the thing that kept us going, you mm-hmm. know, for those first awful days, weeks, hours, everything, yeah. minutes, I mean, everything. Um, but we immediately just did that. We kind of threw ourselves into him, taking care of him. Um, I think in the beginning, I felt like I did kind of isolate myself a little bit, mm-hmm. just trying to figure out like how I'm going to do this, you yeah. know, and I, I'm sure you probably thought this too, but it's just amazing how your life is completely turned upside down, mm-hmm. but life is still going on around yeah. you. Oh, yeah. And that's really difficult. Yeah. Because you're you're just thinking, how is this happening? You yeah. know, my I have completely, my life is completely like my heart has been ripped out of my chest. Yeah. But people are still living life, and yeah. life's going on, and that was really hard. Um, so I think in the beginning, I just kind of isolated myself. Ryan was back working. I just kind of held to Jack and just really tried to take care of him. He was my distraction. He was kind of my everything. Um, and then I feel like. Very, I mean, probably within the, a month to six weeks after that, I think um, Forcement's Fund had recommended some grief counseling. And I, and I think at that point, I hadn't thought about it, um, but I was open to it. I was like, you know what, I think that probably would be good for me mm-hmm. to do that a little bit. Well, fast forward, I, I did it for the whole year, the whole year following losing Lily. And that was the best thing I could have done mm-hmm. was the grief counseling. I would do it weekly. And it just was a safe space for me to process Mm -hmm. and grieve and just get everything out all Mm -hmm. the feeling anger sadness Mm -hmm. all the things that I was feeling um and I I would do it like Jack I would take Jack to Mother's Day out so he was that made me feel good that he was taking care of he was being you know nurtured and then I was trying to nurture myself because I mean I did learn very quickly like I'm gonna have to take care of myself I'm gonna have to put on my big girl pants and do this because I have Jack you know and life is going on so um that was the best thing i could have done was to to take care of myself in that way for that year yeah Mm -hmm. so going to therapy and we've i've Mm -hmm. talked about before on here just even having somebody that is on your side for you to say i feel these things Mm -hmm. and honestly they feel wrong Mm -hmm. that i'm saying some Mm -hmm. of the things some of the anger some of the frustrations some of them i mean i I, i've even said very honestly like i could not go to walmart Mm -hmm. and hear someone screaming and yelling and calling their child names or literally popping them on the behind Uh as they went behind them because I just would get angry that my child was not here, Mm. you know, and, and, and even mentoring, seeing, you know, sometimes the children that were in the hospital because someone had purposely hurt them Mm -hmm. and being angry that my child was not here. And I would have mm -hmm. never done anything to, Mm -hmm. to hurt him. Um, and going before a therapist and the therapist saying, normal. Yes. These are all normal. Yes. And yes. it's okay. Uh-huh. We got to work through these right. things. You right. got to be able to go to Walmart again. Right. Right. You got to be able to, you know, <laughs> mentor or do whatever you got to do. Or again, wanting to have more children mm-hmm. and the fears and mm-hmm. anxieties that go with mm-hmm. that. And so sometimes it's just having somebody not make you feel crazy. Yes. Um, but then also talk through and process yes. what you're thinking, what you're feeling. And yes, my therapist even... Um, Flat out one time told me, I, I remember showing up and I was really torn about something that was going on um, in all regards to kind of extended family. And he flat out was like, this is what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And I needed mm-hmm. someone mm-hmm. to do that for me because I could not mm-hmm. make rational decisions. Right. I mean, I just and I remember vividly and it gave me this like, OK, 
that is probably not what I would have picked right. because honestly, I'm going to tick some people off. Right. But he was protecting me mm-hmm. and he was protecting what I could do and handle mm-hmm. and just being like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Whatever. It's going to upset some people, but it is what it is. Or so, on the other end of that, don't do it. You yeah. know what I mean? A lot of, I feel like a lot of my counseling sessions that were so beneficial to me were my counselor saying, um, you know, pay attention to the should and the ought to's yeah. and take care of yourself and give yeah. yourself grace yeah. and give yourself time yeah. and do not say yeah. yes to everything and yeah. do not feel guilty that you need to respond to yeah. this and person. Mine was or, you actually know? a don't do. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. like I was being told from family I needed to do this and him going, no, do, you yeah. don't. And that's, I mean, go the other nice way. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. Yeah. I mean, looking back. I and, still like, yeah. that still plays in my head a lot of times where like, the shoulds and the ought to, you know, things yeah. like that when I'm in a bad place or yeah. whatever. It's, you yeah. know, it's about kind of taking care of yourself so that you can take care of your family and yeah. be better. And yeah. Make sure so. your marriage is okay and your mm-hmm. children and everything exactly. else. Exactly. Um, so during that time, obviously, you and Ryan are both grieving mm-hmm. terribly. Mm-hmm. And um, and we've said before, often men and women grieve differently. Yes. Um, and so kind of tell me how y'all even handled that part of just his grief, your grief, and then your combined grief, and then you also still have Jack. So Mm -hmm. did y'all just try to talk through that and be real open with each other? That's exactly what we did. We really, we really did. We would just, we would just um, be very open Mm -hmm. about it and talk about it. And um, luckily, you know, I have, I've known Ryan basically my entire life. We've known each other since we were five. So we know each other so well. And, um, we were he's he's open to talking too. He's not yeah. he he isn't one that shuts down. So he was very willing to talk to me about how he was feeling. Again, the grief counseling was something I did on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would come come every once in a while yeah. and it's kind of like a check in, you know. But that was my own thing. But um, we just would talk to each other. Um, we were open about every feeling. There was never any like off limits, mm-hmm. just yeah subjects or anything about it um we would work through a lot of like maybe guilt or anger you know all the emotions that you have openly we very very much did and um it is you know it's interesting i feel like somebody maybe even told me maybe at lily's wake or funeral something they said to me like you know a lot of marriages don't survive things like this and that was just like a gut punch because it was like i'm like are you kidding and yeah he's my person so i told somebody else i'm like this is just i can't imagine ever going through this process without him especially because he was her father like he knew he knows everything about her that i do like our memories that we have with her and it's like there's just no way i could ever do this without him because gosh our just our mm-hmm. bond with lily like you know we were we were her people yeah. you know and it's yeah so but um it was um I mean, and we still talk about her we still yeah. he and i are both very open about yeah. our feelings when we're thinking about her when something yeah. we see something that makes us think about her he'll text me or you know so yeah. it's it's a very open conversation still and um i do feel like i'm just thankful for him because i feel like we we did navigate that initial season the best we could yeah. and um it was it was manageable yeah. because of him yeah too. Mm-hmm. yeah amazing mm-hmm. now i want you to talk a little bit because i think this is really special to y'all um the ways that you've honored her life which has allowed your extended family mm-hmm. your friends so many people who knew and loved lily to also honor her life so talk a little bit about some of the things y'all have done you know, that have really, and why you've done Okay. It. Well, the first, the first thing that we did, it was, I guess, a year after she passed away. It was 
2014, and her birthday was coming up in June of 2014. And um, I remember just this kind of this tug of like Mm -hmm. wanting to do something Mm -hmm. around her birthday to just honor her, celebrate her life, just something. And I didn't know what it was. And I um, remember speaking with you and kind of putting together this idea about doing CD players for the NICU Mm -hmm. because when Lily was in the NICU for those five weeks, that was something that we did. We played music all the time for Mm -hmm. her. um, And it was just such a, I don't know, just a special thing that we did that Mm -hmm. brought a little bit of like comfort to all of us in there with her. And um, so from there, we were like, you know what would be a great idea? Like maybe we could try to give our uh, family and friends to donate some money. We can go through, we can buy maybe a CD player for each room in the NICU Mm -hmm. to have that way. Some of these families can have that kind of comfort that we did. And, um, you know, this would be a great idea. Well, it was awesome. And it was, Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we reached out to friends and family and had a wonderful response about that. And that was just really healing and really Mm -hmm. special to be able to do for her birthday. Mm -hmm. And like you said, having all of our friends and family involved because she was such a yeah. special part of all of our lives for yeah. that short amount of time. But she touched a lot of people and touched them very deeply. So yeah. that was wonderful. That was very healing to do that. And then, of course, after that, we thought, well, we would love to do this, you know, when we can. So yeah. I think over the past 10 years, I feel like every two to three years, we tried to do something like that. Yeah. So we did another another time when we reached out um, for to friends and family and we were able to do some of the I think the development, like the NICU developmental yeah, we center now bags, call them celebration mm-hmm, bags, mm-hmm. but they were totally born from yeah, Lily. Yeah, that was I loved that. That was great. Yeah. Um, we still we now do those in all of our cities. I love that in all of our NICUs. Mm-hmm. Um, and you helped us really come up with those items because of your therapy background. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, knowing like the little black and white of what they can see and what they can feel mm-hmm. and what they can touch and what they can put in their mm-hmm. mouth. And so, um, yeah, your picture of you and Jack showing mm-hmm. up at the hospital <clears> with. All those bags on your mm-hmm. arms. It's just really beautiful. I love thing. that. I, I do. I love it. And the, and and then I think in I guess it was 2019 because I know it was before pandemic. We did a bunch of stuff for the um, the NICU, uh-huh. a bunch of different things, items, and it just it it's just so helpful all the way around. Yeah. You know, for our family, it continues to be really special because yeah. our boys know all about it. And yeah. I mean, we talk about Lily all the time. They talk about her all the time. So it's really special that they can see that happening as a result of her life um, and just giving back to Labonner because, of course, Labonner's, you know, it was so beneficial for us to be there. And obviously we got received great care. And, yeah. Yeah. and then, of course, for Spence Fund, we love partnering with you guys because you guys, what you do for families is so, so needed. Yeah. And so we, for those listening, we call it the Giving Back Program. And so in essence, mm-hmm. we partner with families or businesses or um, others who want to give back in honor or in memory or just even as a, we've got one family that does it and they've never had a child in the hospital, but they just see the the need in it. And so it's a, whatever comes in goes back out. And so whatever a family either decides to just front the money on their own, like our lovies are just right. families handwriting mm-hmm. a check. And then we have others like y'all that reach out and let friends and family contribute mm-hmm. as well. And so when the money comes in, we take care of the thank you cards and the tax letters and yes. all that stuff. And then we buy the items and have a special sticker made um, with that child's name on mm-hmm. it or company's name or whatever. Um and so it has been such joy for David and I. Um, it was something early on we said, you know, we really, so many people want to give back and honor their child or, you know, their child's memory or their child's life. 
but really don't need to start a nonprofit because there's right. so much more to a nonprofit than just, you know. Oh, uh, is there really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a little, just a tiny bit. And so this is such an important thing to Dave and I that we want to honor mm-hmm. Lily's life. We mm-hmm. want to see y'all have healing and see the goodness of her life continue mm-hmm. to bless others um, without all the work that goes yes. into the other aspects. And so um, it's such a great joy, Dave and I talk about a lot. If you had to say, what are the two kind of best or most favorite things you do, I would say in all honesty, it's counseling mm-hmm. and then it's the giving mm-hmm. back program because we see such true mm-hmm. real healing yes. and purpose yes. in that. Um, obviously giving people grants and paying bills are such a help, but that's something that we can see really the mm-hmm. healing yes. that families have felt by seeing the purpose mm-hmm. and whatever yeah, it is. Bigger so, picture and it just it does. It heals and helps helps everyone. And y'all are one of our first families we really did that with. Um Gosh, now nine years ago. Yeah. So, you know, it's been fun to be able to see. Is there anything before we kind of wrap up that you felt like is any advice or any way you would encourage or anything you wish you had known looking back? I mean, y'all are coming up on 10 years, mm-hmm. um, you know, anything. And, and as we talked about in the intro, you had two more boys after Jack. Yes. So you are, um, just for those to know, Erin is my neighbor. And so I see those boys out in the yard 24-7. <laughs> she is very busy. Yes. Um, they <laughs> love sports and biking mm-hmm. and yes. throwing the balls. And they're the sweetest, most kind, oh, respectful you. boys. Thank I you. love walking past them in the neighborhood because mm-hmm. they're always so sweet. Um, one of your boys also, uh, Emily, your other neighbor and I were talking about, likes to show off when we come by. Likes to either, you know, kind of strut <laughs> uh-huh. a little bit or, or, or hit the ball real hard right. or throw the uh-huh. basket real hard uh-huh. um, while watching exactly. us. And we uh-huh. love it. Uh-huh. it, it we both yes. eat it up. You like guys that, feed into that We're for like, sure. that boy uh-huh. is going to have some women following him right, with the way right. he does that. <laughs> um, but just looking back on y'all's kind of 10-year journey mm-hmm. of grief and loss, mm-hmm. is there anything that you're like... I would say, you know, I it just it sounds kind of cliche, but I would want it to like... I wish I would have been able to tell myself, like, you're going to be okay because it's when that happens and you, like you said, you leave the hospital. I mean, I remember leaving the hospital and I mean, the first thing I look at is Lily's car seat in the back of the car. And I'm just like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? Yeah. Um, And I just wish that I would have. And, and people would would say to me, you know, you're going to be okay, this and that, you know, it's it's going to be okay. But I kind of wish I knew it in my heart at yeah. that point, like you're going to be okay, because I sure did not know that for a while. Yeah, it was really really difficult. Um, and I would just, you know, my advice to people would be, take all the help that is yeah. offered. Say yeah. yes to any help that anybody wants to give you in any of these. You know, whether you're having a long hospitalization or whether you do lose a child, um, just take take any help that anybody wants to yeah. give you because it's increasingly hard to ask for help. I get that. But um, I would say take the help that people offer. Take care of yourself. Yeah. Give yourself time. Give yourself grace. Um, and and it will get better. It, or maybe not better. It gets different. Sometimes, yeah. I, I mean, like 10 years out, grief is still a part of me every day. Yeah. And it will be my yeah. entire life. Yeah. You know, I mean, you lose a child, that's a piece of your heart that yeah. is gone. Um, but you learn to work around that. And we have, you know, built a family. And yeah. like I said, the boys talk about Lily a lot. And so keep her, mem- keep your child's memory alive the yeah. best you can. Heal that way. Yeah. Find something that, you know, helps, yeah. helps with that. Like how we honor Lily's life with doing some of these outreach things yeah. and then giving back to Love Honor. That has helped tremendously um, to do that, to celebrate her life has just 
provide a lot of healing for all of us. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you um, for sharing just how y'all are doing. And um, it has been truly a joy to see you and Ryan and see y'all's marriage and see you as a mom and him as a dad. And um, and like you said, how you've honored Lily's life and continued to make sure that she's remembered and mm-hmm. not forgotten. Mm-hmm. But you've still been just a truly amazing mother, friend, wife, sister, all those things. So um, it's been a joy to be a small part in your journey. And um, thank you for partnering with the fund to remember her life and allow us to be a a small part um, in her life and her memory. Um, And we continue to want to be a part of that. So um, I know it's never easy to come and tell your story and Mm -hmm. share your story, Mm -hmm. but I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. I, I love. I do love talking about her, so I would talk yeah. about her all the time if I could. And we just love you guys and appreciate every every bit of help that you've given us and continue to. I mean, ten years down the road, this has been. I just love our relationship, and yeah. it's um, it's special. And I just thank you on behalf of everybody that you've helped because I know what you guys do for that hospital, what you guys do for those families and those children. It's just life changing. And, and and thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for being on. Thank you for listening to our latest episode. We hope that this podcast is a resource for you and a source of support. Whether you are facing illness in your own family or want to walk beside other families dealing with childhood illness, we want the stories, wisdom, and knowledge shared to give you hope. Episodes will be released bi-weekly, so be sure to subscribe today.